1: What up everybody welcome to another episode of the corner podcast Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale again if you haven't listened to our pro wrestling show go back and listen to that but we are recording remote all this week couple upgrades happen in Blue Wire Studios so shout out to them for doing that we're still bringing you all three episodes this week just from the crib and today it's all about boxing We had an exciting weekend in the boxing ring this past week. And me and Dre were at the Benavidez versus Boo Boo fight this weekend. So we'll talk about that in its entirety. We're also going to talk about Katie Taylor versus uh, Chantel Cameron. And when, when that happened overseas this past weekend during the day on Saturday for us here in the States. And then, of course, Ryan Garcia returns back to the ring for the first time since... Losing to Tank Davis coming up on December second, so we'll preview his fight as well. Dre, I feel like we have to talk about the fight we were at first and foremost, though. Of course,
2: of course, the entire it card did... was good. It, yeah, uh, Super El Matias looked great. Yeah, all everybody in the 140 pound division. Um, that dude is a fucking tank. He just mows people down. Uh, it was yeah, it was a solid, but. It's all about David Benavidez. Come on, man. The first round... (laughs) I'll start with the first round. Um,
1: Yeah, I guess we'll work our way backwards on this card. So, the first round, it looked like Boo Boo was going to have some success. He was moving. I liked the head movement. He was level changing. He stayed really low for the majority of the fight. Ducking his head keeping, uh, I don't know, keeping David Benavidez guessing, I would say. He was missing a little bit in the first round, even the second. The foot movement was great. And I was like, okay, this is a fight I can see going a little longer than I predicted, which was round eight or under. And I was like, okay, you know what? I, I think this might go a little bit. But then you see David Benavidez with the body work. Then you start to see Boo Boo slowing down. And then for some reason, Boo-Boo decides, you know what? I'm going to fight for the inside midway through round two, through the rest of the fight. I'm not going to move around, fight from the outside, use my jab, double jab, make this a boxing match. Nah, I'm going to try my hand at David Benavidez's style. And then we know how this all finishes. Benavidez just breaks him down
2: and it doesn't even go eight rounds. Dude. I this guy I keep I've been talking about David Benavidez, I think since we started this fucking podcast. A hundred percent. And when we were
1: talking about Triple G and Canelo at the start of our podcast, which might have been Triple G Canelo one, you were mentioning David Benavidez.
2: Yeah. He's man. He's 26 years old. He's undefeated. He's a giant at 168 pounds. Yep. I thought he would beat stop Boo Boo late. I, I, I had it I knew he was gonna stop him. But the thing is is that when you watch him, I mentioned this last week. He's in like the top five, top ten in almost every offensive category in boxing, in all of boxing. Not just pound for pound fighters, not just the super middleweight division, in all of boxing. In total punch connect percentage. Uh, total punches landed per round. <clears throat> he's in the top five. This is why this is significant. He's in the top five in all of boxing. The people that are above him and below him are 130 pounds and under. He's 168 pounds. He lands at a a percentage that no fighter his size should be landing at in a a frequency. He runs his competition over, just runs them over. And he did to Demetrius Andre what he's done to everybody else. He just wears you down. He suffocates you with his presence. He walks you down. And if you can't hurt him, it just makes it worse. And after about two rounds, I noticed it real quick, like Andre was getting low. He was trying to land the overhand left. He landed one punch and David was like, nah, you ain't got shit. And from that point on, he just walked him down and then, and just crushed him, pulverized him, beat him to a pulp, made the man quit. Andre has never been beaten. And he got, Demolished by, Demi- by by David Benavidez I know he's not in the pound for pound Conversation just yet It's coming He is Maybe the most exciting fighter to watch right now He doesn't have a boring fight His style is made Is aesthetically pleasing It's made to please fight fans And then He just beats you up He beat up Caleb Plant He beat up De- uh, Demetrius Andrade he's beating up anthony Durrell. he just beats people up he's not even like the only close fight he's been in where it wasn't like super impressive i think it was like the the first or second ronald gavril fight which was years ago mm. other than that he's just murdering people and it's not like one punch knockout power it's like he's just he's beating you with a blunt object for all this for 3 minutes around to the point where you're like i can't take it anymore he is he right now, if you ask me to pick between him and Canelo, I think he he could stop Canelo, Ooh, my opinion. He could stop Canelo. I think he outworks him for sure. No one's ever think, done it, sir. I know nobody's ever done it. Nobody ever stopped Demetrius Andrade. Now, granted,
1: <laughs> different, Demetrius Andrade yeah. and
2: Canelo are two different people, but I'm just going to get right to it. The style that David Benavides has, and I just mentioned the the punches he lands per round is in the top five, and everybody above and below him is small. Yeah, That kind of output and, and activity is something Canelo can't deal with. He hasn't had to deal with it. He His punch output continues to go down, and Canelo's small compared to David Benavidez. If you think that Andre had a hard time getting away, Caleb Plant, he couldn't get away from, D, from uh, David Benavidez. And Caleb Plant's a really good boxer. Couldn't get away. Canelo can't move his feet like he used to. No. I I and I don't think Canelo has the power. He doesn't have, I don't think he has the power to make David Benavidez go, nah, maybe I should box from the outside. That style is conducive to I'm going to take one, give you 12, good luck. I don't think Canelo can beat him. And I don't understand why Canelo keeps waiting to fight this man because it's only fucking getting worse. Every month that goes by that you don't fight David Benavidez, he hasn't entered his physical prime yet. He's 26. Canelo's 32. The fuck are you waiting for? Him to get better?
1: This is crazy. We had this exact same conversation nine years ago when we were talking about Canelo versus Triple G. Yeah, but Triple G was older.
2: Triple G, I think at that time was 33. But, But what I'm saying is like when Canelo and Triple G were going through their shit, Canelo was like moving around in weight classes. He was oversized and beat up on Amir Khan. Like Canelo was working to get into his physical prime for the Triple G fight. Gennady was already at his physical peak, right? Mm-hmm. So when that fight happened, it was more about Canelo making him wait as Triple G got older. This is working in the opposite direction. Canelo's the one getting older. And his skills are deteriorating. Benavides is just getting better. So waiting him out doesn't do you any good. It makes it worse. So what are we waiting for? Floyd Mayweather made the right decision to go, hey, I'm going to fight that motherfucker now before he gets better. Canelo's making the wrong decision where he's like, ah, he's not worth my time yet. Dude, it's the only fight left. It's the only fight left for you. And Benavides can't fight anybody else that anybody gives a shit about. Sure, everybody's going to go, what about Jamal Charlo? You mean to tell me you watched Jamal Charlo versus Jose Benavides, and you were like, I want to see that fight? Nobody wants to see that fight. No.
1: I guess casuals, maybe. But now David Benavidez's name is circulating into the casual atmosphere. Yes. Right? So now it is the, oh, no, this guy's the truth. And his name's not only just circling for what he does, but specifically for Canelo to the point of casuals are now like, okay, I don't know shit about David Benavidez, but I know Canelo got to fight him next.
2: Dude, if you go on social media and you look and like people share David Benavidez, like two years ago, I shared a clip of David Benavidez landing a nine punch combination. And I posted, I said, This is the type of person that can be Canelo. Somebody who doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't worry about what's coming back. It's just going to unload on you. And in that, you just outwork Canelo. And that clip went viral. And every time David Benavidez shows up on a timeline, people have never seen him go, who the fuck is that? Because he doesn't look like he should be doing that to people. And he does. And now you're in a situation where before Canelo was like, I've heard it all before. Like, What makes him special? Well, here here it is. He's, again, he's 26. He's undefeated. He's mowing down the competition. He's already a two-time champion. He is your mandatory as a WBC interim super middleweight champion. He's a Mexican fighter. He wants your fucking holidays. And he's routinely called you out. And every time he calls you out, the person that he fights that's not named Canelo gets fucked up. Yeah. where do you go? (laughs) Like, if, if you're Canelo... I, again, I, I hate using the word duck. If you don't fight him next, it's a duck. There's no other way to put it. How can you justify fighting anybody else but David Benavidez if you're Canelo? How? He would have to say the
1: fight is going to happen, right? Like, yeah, but you kind of got to earmark it and say we're
2: going to fight in September. So I'm fighting this person now. Well, so here's the issue. I'm glad you brought it up. There's only one person that can prevent this fight from happening. It's not Jamal Charles It's Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford is the only person that people will go, all right. Like, if you choose Terrence Crawford over David Benavidez, people will go, all right, that's fine. Okay, cool. And if you're Canelo, that might be the better route for you because Terrence is smaller. Mm. Right? Like, that might be the better route for you. Like, David Benavidez is a bad style matchup. That may not be the guy that you want to fight. But here's the issue. You bring up September. What did the UFC just do? They booked the sphere for Mexican Independence Day weekend, which yeah. actively took it out of Canelo's hands. If you're going to fight David Benavidez and you want to maximize your profit margin, you do it on a Mexican holiday weekend in Vegas. 100 percent, which means you should do a single to weekend. You like you can't do it like September, like 30th. <laughs> like, you, no. you you have to fight the fucker at single to weekend in Vegas.
1: Yeah, you got to do it like the weekend before, which is always tough because then it's like not Mexican Independence Day, but it's also right after Labor Day. So it's really like you're in no man's land with people in terms of coming to Vegas. Or you say, fuck you, I've seen you
2: running on the same day. Call it bluff. You can't really do that because like that first event at the Sphere is going to be significant. Like Dane is going to go all out for that card. So the fact that you got beat to it, the other thing is, you know, with the Showtime demise, like both of these pay-per-view fights that Canelo has is still going to be on Showtime pay-per-view. I don't know how it's going to work, but that's the plan. But you got you got to do it on one of these Mexican holiday weekends. And it's David fucking Benavidez. You're fighting another Mexican who speaks Spanish, who lives in Arizona, who has a fan base that travels like that's, that. That was full of Benavidez fans in the Mandalay Bay on a Thanksgiving weekend, dude. What other fight makes sense?
1: You got to be really ready for that fight. That's all. Like he has to be completely healthy. He has to train specifically for David Benavidez. It's tough when you can fight a guy that was in the co-main event in Charlo and Jamal Charlo is, is right there and he's rusty and he looked okay, but not overly great. And he still has a name and he still draws And whether that's in Vegas or you do Sego de Mayo weekend in Jerry's world in Texas, and you hope, you know, the Charlo and Texas fans come out there and Canelo's had several fights there and you draw a huge gate. That's a
2: fight you can take. You want to know how gross that is? How do you fight the guy who was in the co-main event and not the guy who was in the main event? I don't know. The guy has a name. You're acting like this
1: is not his first co-main event and like, Seven years.
2: but, but Even I, when again, him and his brother like, fought on the same card, he was the main event. But what I'm saying is, like, David Benavidez is in your weight class. It was the main event of a pay-per-view, and Jamal Charlo was the co-main event. And you're going to fight the guy in the lower weight class? Jamal Charlo's not a draw, bro. He's not. Jamel wasn't a draw. They're not draws. They are not draws. You know how hard it is to sell that fight? Like, Thanks. as shitty as Jamel looked. No, tough. It's tough. It ain't hard to sell David Benavidez. You put no. that motherfucker on screen, you let him talk some shit. Oh, we got a fight. And you the tell highlight him, Real sells itself. And, and dude, immediately, you do a face off with David Benavidez and Canelo, you're doing millions of views. Because David's going to sit across from Canelo and tell him, bro, I'm going to fuck you up because that's what David Benavidez says. I'm going to beat your ass. And Canelo will say anything he says and he'll be popular and all this shit, but there are going to be so many fans who we'll be like, "He might fuck Canelo up." That's the one person right now that we're all going, if there's anybody that can beat him in his weight class, it's him. Yeah. It's the fight that everybody wants to see. The Bivol fight ain't happening. There is literally nobody else. And I know the WBC is out here like just handing out passes and shit, but you got to stop that man is the mandatory. If Canelo don't fight up next, he's got to get stripped of that WBC title. He has sure, to Sure. Sure. I don't know why he still has it. I
1: tell you this every time. I know. I what do. is the benefit of having this belt? Except paying extra sanctioning fees. You've accomplished it already. Let the belt go. And the WBC is just so in love with Canelo that they won't strip it.
2: No, they like having that. They like that percentage of that check. Yeah. I mean, they
1: still let Charlo have a belt. He just missed weight in a catch weight, bro. Like, and they didn't strip him on the scale.
2: Like, what? Yo, it's so crazy. This man missed weight on a catch fight against Jose Benavides, who fought. I I had to remember. I said it last week. He fought Jose Benavidez at four. four Jose Benavidez fought Terence Crawford at forty-seven, and Danny Garcia, I believe, at a catch weight. And then he was fighting. Jamal Charlotte at 163 pounds and you still couldn't make weight? Still missed weight. <laughs> like, you had a distinct size and weight advantage over that man. Like, what? At this point, he's never making 160 again. It's okay to strip him. I mean, he said it at the post-fight, like, 68 is probably where I'm going to be at. Like, he's lobbying for that payday. He's like, shit, my brother got one, I want one too. Yep. But Canelo, come on, man. That ain't a fight that anybody wants. It's not even a threat. Ugh. It's like, it's ugh, weird, oh.
1: but it's there, so we can feel however we want. But it's a legit option for Canelo. It's a trash option because say whatever we want about Charlo, he's not a no name, but he's not a dog. Nobody cares. It's not the fight we want, but it's a if you have to have a placeholder, I'm not shocked by that. And then again, Morel is out there for David Benavidez in the spring, and then you got. If he beats Morrell as easy as he beats everyone else, then there's really no one else for David Benavides.
2: Yo, all right. So we're going to fantasy book, right? Benavides shouldn't fight David Morrell because Benavides, if he beats Canelo, he's going to have to defend those titles against somebody. (laughs) Like, like if we're going to fantasy book, we can do that. But there's the scenario. But there'll be a
1: rematch clause for Canelo, you know it. And then it's like, sure, that's a whole new year.
2: Bro, Morrell hasn't had like eleven fights yet. He's got time, right? So. There's two interesting options for Charlo. Caleb Plant, who was in the fucking building. Like, that's a money-making fight. Caleb versus Charlo, the story writes itself. And I don't know who wins. I lean towards Caleb Plant, but I don't know who wins. Or David Benavidez beats up Charlo. If if, Canelo chose to fight Terrence Crawford, I would be... I wouldn't mind David Benavidez beating up Jamal Charlo just to get a revenge for his brother. Yeah, put him on the same card. But then there's a possibility that Terence Crawford beats Canelo. Then everything's fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's way too dangerous. It's all
1: dangerous, but th- it's more dangerous than Charlo. As like, Canelo as has
2: it. just Canelo has nowhere to hide. The only, if you if you don't fight this man, you are ducking him. He's running I'm not out saying- of easy options. He's running out. He's running out of options that people care about. John Ryder, no. Jamel Charlo, the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah, Jamel was supposed to be Jamal, though. To his credit, and Jamal was not ready. He still ain't ready. He may never be ready, he but ain't. he gonna fight. Jesus. And at sixty eight, can't miss weight. No excuses. Wow. We know you can make sixty eight. the undisputed super lightweight champion of the world or junior welterweight, however you see it, 140 pounds. And now is a champ champ in terms of undisputed, joining the likes of Clarissa Shields. And who was that? That was it, I think. Clarissa Shields is the only other champ champ in the women's division. Yep. I thought Serrano did it, but I'm not nah, sure.
2: No, not undisputed.
1: Yeah, so an amazing you know, accomplishment, the cut, I think early on in that fight played a big role in how Cameron could fight and managing the bleeding and everything. And even then I thought it was really close. This one, I did think Katie Taylor won, but one judge having it like 98, 92 is
2: criminal. Well, that was a crime. There's a couple crimes that happened on this night. One commentary. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, this was the most biased commentary I've ever heard. Like all they did was Katie Taylor is amazing. Katie, I was like Jesus Christ, man! Like, chill out, fanboys. I hated the commentary. I was surprised that Katie Taylor outworked Chantel Cameron. That blew me away. Yeah, Katie doesn't outwork anybody, but she neutralized Chantel's jab, and Chantel couldn't get off after that. So I thought it was a close fight. I thought Katie Taylor won. The w- the right woman won. Um. And now, you know, they're talking about the, the potential third fight at Croke Park or Amanda Serrano. I would lead towards Intel Cameron because Chantel actually beat you.
1: So yeah.
2: I think that's the fight to make. The real question, though, and I posted it on social media. I've had like this discussion with a lot of people. People are like, Katie Taylor is now the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And You're I'm saying like, She's the greatest woman's boxer of all time. And I've, I've seen this argument. I've seen, like, valid points where I can see people trying to make sense of this. They're saying that the Katie Taylor's opposition over the past few years, like the, the divisions are more stacked where she competes. And I'll go, okay, you may have a point, right? You may have a point, and Katie Taylor's more active than uh, Clarissa is. That's fair. Katie Taylor lost yeah. in her first attempt to try to move up. And none of us look, Justin McCaskill's a good fighter. Chantel Cameron beat Jessica McCaskill and we're like oh okay shit I never thought Jessica McCaskill was great Chantel beat her I wasn't terribly surprised then Chantel beat Katie Taylor and then people started moving Chantel up the pound for pound list rightfully so you beat Katie Taylor but the thing is for me is no matter what you say this argument about because Katie's been more active makes her a better fighter than Clarissa Shields is ridiculous Yep. Clarissa Shields has been a three-division world champion And she doesn't get into close fights She dominates everybody that she fights And it's not like Like, and I keep using this point I saw Katie Taylor struggle against Delphine Persson. I saw Katie Taylor damn near lose to Amanda Serrano And people will immediately go, well, Amanda Serrano's one of the best fighters in the world That's fine, she damn near lost to her yep. She lost to Chantel Cameron the only way Clarissa Shields loses her grip on the number one pound for pound spot is if she looks bad. That's it. Yep. Until she's threatened by another opponent. And don't tell me she hasn't fought anybody because Savannah Marshall is a good fucking fighter. And she went to her backyard and beat her
1: handily. And I understand people just started following women's boxing. Um, so a lot of people yeah. who are making that case are very new to the sport of women's boxing. But when Clarissa broke in, I will tell you this. She fought Hannah Rankin in her seventh fight um, to win the vacant WBC middleweight title. Hannah Rankin was, if people had pound for pound lists that I helped create at ESPN, uh, for women's boxing at the time. Hannah Rankin was a top five women's boxer in the world at that time. Now, two fights later, she fought Christina Hammer won the WBO, and became undisputed middleweight champion. Christina Hammer was a top three women's boxer in the world at that time. 2019. You go up. Um, Marie. Marie Eve, when she fought her in 2021 to retain the middleweight, or she went down a weight class to junior middleweight. Marie was a top 10 fighter. So because people don't understand and they know Amanda Serrano now because of Jake Paul and they value the lighter weights because they may have known them a little bit more name value wise. Oh no. When it was 2017, 2018, 2019 best believe a top 10 pound for pound list in women's were heavily dominated by the middleweight and junior middleweight divisions. And at that time, Clarissa was starching them. Yes. So they only dropped because Clarissa beat them. So where they are today is not where they were then, because they lost to Clarissa. So when people are like, oh, well, Katie Taylor has better opposition. No, she has more people you know, or people who rank pound for pound after the fact because You learned who they were. Majority decision. Let's see. This is in 2018, she beat Cindy Serrano, and that's kind of what put her on the map. She beat Jessica McCaskill early, and that's 2017. So she's just been wildly active since 2017. Cool, you got McCaskill. Delphine Persoon was a majority decision, 2019. And that was the one that could be a toss-up. Then Delphine Persoon again, And that toss-up got her ranked higher. And then she would be a top 10 pound-for-pound fighter. That's 2020. Before she faced her first top 10 pound-for-pound women's fighter. Because McCaskill in 2017 was not a pound-for-pound fighter.
2: No, no. But up in weight?
1: Not at all. Won a shocking (laughs) victory against um, the number two pound-for-pound fighter, I believe, at the time. Or the number one pound-for-pound fighter. And... Ended up, okay, cool. Now she's ranked highly. Before then, Jessica McCann School, one, was not supposed to win that against Cecilia Brekus. She wasn't supposed to beat her again. Then it was like, oh, she's the real deal. After moving up two weight classes. But she wasn't pound for pound before then. Delphine no. Persoon was borderline top 10 in 2019. Gave Katie a tough fight and then moved into the top 10. So that's one top 10 pound for pound fighter, Uh, Until you get to Natasha Jonas, 2021, that is two. And then Serrano, that's three. Chantel Cameroon, four. You lost that one and then ran it back and won. Both majority decision, one loss, one win. And so you're three and one against top 10 opposition. Four and one if you want to count McCaskill, three years before she became a top 10 opponent. That's not overwhelming compared to Clarissa Shields, who I, who I just went through, who has four victories. Oh, for Calum being people, before they were top 10 pound-for-pound pound people, we'll add French Schoen onto that list. So she beat French Schoen, beat Hannah Gabriels, beat Christina Hammer, and beat Marie. Oh, and beat Savannah Marshall. That's five. They both have five top 10 opponents. One is four and one, the other one is five and zero. Oh. End of discussion.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I'm listening to people just tell me how great T- Katie Taylor is, and it's like, all right, so it's cool. You just watched women started watching women's boxing. Fair. I was there for Clarissa Shields' first fight, but the other thing is, it's not like Clarissa Shields came in, and people's like, wow, surprise! Clarissa Shields was a two-time Olympic gold medalist, right? Yeah. It came right in, dominating the opposition. And I know we don't necessarily have to, we don't use her amateur experience as part of the pound for pound thing until she went pro. But for me to to ignore the fact that this woman has been kicking ass for like 10 years and then showed up as a pro and was like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to keep going, and keeps mowing down the competition, wins belts, is undisputed in two-way classes, is going to attempt for a third. Like she's, yeah, she's doing PFL stuff, but if you want to take, it becomes this weird thing like when, It's not necessarily the same because Manny Pacquiao went through eight divisions to become a world champion. But Manny and Floyd was this thing where when Manny would get more active, people would knock Floyd off the list or knock him down a notch. Uh But I was like, Floyd is always going to beat Manny Pacquiao's ass. And people didn't want to hear me, but I was like, dude, Floyd's a better fighter. Manny's great. Katie's great. Don't get me wrong. But until Floyd loses, it's his spot. And he didn't. Yeah. And he fought Manny and then he beat him. And Manny struggled with Juan Manuel Marquez, just like Katie struggled with Amanda Serrano and Santel Cameron. Floyd struggled with nobody. So it's <laughs> like, you can't, you, people keep talking this Katie Taylor shit. And I'm like, bro, like she is closer to Amanda Serrano than she is to Clarissa Shields. Yeah. Clarissa, and the other thing that people forget Clarissa is 28, Katie Taylor's 37.
1: 37. 28 to 30, that was my next point. Like, what? It's not even close. And come on, people. Like, this fight was cool. This one's already set up. If Katie Taylor's having a trilogy, let's go 12 rounds, three minutes. Let's do
2: it. Sure. Fuck it. Let's go. I just, I don't want people to make, I'm not saying Katie Taylor's not good. She's number two. That's okay. But Clarissa Shields is the best female fighter on the planet. And right now of all time, and she's 28 years old. That's the story. <laughs> There's no resume made competing with that.
1: 28 years old. It's ridiculous to make any other case in that, in that one. And Katie's great and keeps adding to the resume. It's just not, she's not going to catch her. It's no, not. And Clarissa has years
2: left in the sport yeah. to do whatever she pleases. If if Clarissa were to lose her next fight or start looking bad against opponents, then we can start having this conversation. But it hasn't happened yet. That's no. all I'm saying. She's just been that dominant. You can't keep if like you can't keep being that dominant and somebody was like, cause people are now just giving people extra credit to yeah. catch Clarissa because they're tired of her. Sorry. And it's not like, like Katie's a
1: knockout artist when she faces really no. stiff competition. Cause that would be the other thing. Like, oh, Clarissa doesn't have pop, she doesn't knock anyone out. Like, okay in 24 fights katie taylor has six knockouts
2: yeah dude it's 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 two minute rounds it's very difficult to knock people out it is what it is yeah just, again just, you we know. gotta change that
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals This upcoming week, there's five fight cards, so it's a ton of fight cards. But the one we're focusing on is Ryan Garcia versus Oscar Darte From Houston, it is a Saturday night. Tough-ass fight for Ryan Garcia's comeback fight, but really get to see what he's learning, um, training in Texas. Derek James, has he fixed the defensive kind of shortcomings that he has because offensively he's still one of the most talented fighters under 147 pounds and can the defense be good enough to withstand punches from a guy who's on like 11 fight knockout streak and then have an impressive offensive performance to get him back into the the sweepstakes with a guy like Shakur Stevenson we was trash talking this week a guy like who reportedly just turned down a fight with Ryan for Super Bowl week because he felt shortchanged? Which 1.5 million to fight Ryan Garcia? Fuck them too. You can shove it up your ass. Like TLT is not stupid. He's like, listen, maybe I'm not the biggest seller in the world. I'm not 1.5 million. How dare you? Yeah. So it, it's but it gets him back into the sweepstakes because really Ryan needs to win, and this is a tough, tough opponent.
2: Yeah, this is what you call a banana peel fight. This is a fight where nobody really knows who Oscar Duarte is, uh, but he's a tough Mexican fighter who has has a little bit of power. He hasn't faced a lot of great opposition, but he's looked good in the opponents that he has faced. And if you're not paying attention, you can fuck around and find out. And that's what kind of fight this is. Um, Ryan is going to be a completely different fighter, for better or worse, heading into this fight. New weight class, new trainer, coming off of a loss. He's not going to be the Ryan Garcia that came in and fought tank recklessly, And got beat. He's going to be different. I don't know how good he's going to be. We know how good he is offensively. And that's good enough for a lot of opponents. They can just mow down. But we saw what happened when he faced an opponent who was just as good, if not better offensively than he was, and a little bit more technically sound. Ryan still has a few things he's got to iron out. And I don't know if Derek James is going to figure this out sooner or later. He's got defensive problems. He keeps his chin high. Um, He learned that against Luke Campbell. Yep. Um, his left hand. Yeah, he drops his left hand. He doesn't bring it back fast enough. And he can be a little reckless when he's going for the finish. Those are things he has to fix. And they're fixable. But boy, the 140-pound division, you can't really fuck around. Regis Prograde, Devin Haney, Tiafima Lopez, for starters. Matias is there. Like, You can't fuck around because you will find out. I'm picking Ryan Garcia to, to beat Duarte Parra. Possibly by late stoppage, the hand speed is just too good. He's got great hands. He should be able to avoid, like, he's not as explosive as Tank Davis. And Ryan fought that fight really stupid, and that's what got him fucking caught up. But if he does everything right, he should get the finish here. I just want to see Ryan make improvements defensively and as a boxer because he can't just mow down the competition. He learned that shit the hard way. So I'd like to see him get a few rounds in, show us what he can do as a boxer and not just a puncher. And Prove to me that, yeah, you can beat Roly Romero. But right now, I don't pick you to beat Regis Progray, Devin Haney, or Matias. I don't. Yeah. I don't. But he's going to have to show me something. And he can. He can rebuild his image with this fight. I know he can beat.
1: And that's Roly Romero.
2: <laughs> Everybody could beat Roly Roly's the weakest champion in boxing right now.
1: Yes. So if you look good here, and I made the case while you were gone, actually, um, shout out to K-Fly from here in Vegas, he joined me on the show, and we talked boxing, huge boxing fan. I've seen him at the past two fights, actually. And uh, we were talking, and I said, what Ryan Garcia needs more than even a win right now is a world championship. He's he's the only one of the five of those guys who've never won a legit world championship. Yeah. Tank even has one legit one. No. So sure. it's one of those things where at 140, Roly Romero's there for the taking. Go and get a belt. And then we can start talking about these mega fights and everything and the money and all this stuff. But sooner or later, if you lose too many of these, he doesn't have the resume. These other guys have to fall back on to maintain that level in boxing. Devin Haney can lose to Tank. He can lose to Shakur. And he's still an undisputed champion, no matter where he goes. Shakur is still a three division champion, legit. Tank is still a world champion with sub-belts and everything else, and he's tank if he loses. is undisputed, and then two-time Ring Magazine champion, and he would be double undisputed if the guy didn't give up the belts. Yep. Ryan has none of that to fall back on. Nope. Go and build nope. some of that, and then let's start talking title fight or dream matchups and fantasy fights. I get it. And even Oscar at a point knew i kind of need to rack up some belts and then i could go and fight everybody and, and their moms but he always fell back because he was always oscar and the resume was ironclad ryan needs to build up that resume
2: yeah and he can he can but the rebuild starts here hopefully Derek james has gotten through to him it's always going to raise a red flag when you change you're on your third trainer in like three years it's yeah. going to be your red flag but hopefully that Derek James speaks his language. I mean shit, Derek James needs this win just as much as Ryan. <laughs> Facts. It's not been a good uh
1: a good end of twenty twenty-three for Derek James. And we said that. We said here in August it was like he could be trainer of the year. Or it could go horribly wrong.
2: Yep. So he's gotta win one. And he's by the way, win.
1: Anthony Joshua is not in the easiest of fights on the twenty third.
2: No, no, it's it's all
1: <laughs> it could oh. go real downhill.
2: Yeah, but it's like you gotta get a win this weekend. Ryan has to get a win. Golden Boy has to get a win because this is this is it. I mean, yeah, Virgil Ortiz is coming back next year, but this is your star. Yeah, this is your guy. He's got he's got to show improvement. So I'm picking him to stop Duarte in the middle eight rounds. But man, I need him to show me something. Otherwise, he's just yeah. He can say what he wants about Shakur having a bad fight, but he's still undefeated. Yeah, <laughs> like shit. He's still undefeated. He ain't lose? No, he hasn't lose. He didn't get
1: knocked out. Yeah, so I think Ryan wins by decision. I'm not sure he's going to get the knockout in on this one. Duarte is tough. And he's going to have to worry a lot about what's coming back. Oh, yeah, he is. So I don't know if he can open up enough to get the knockout. But that really now means he has to use these new defensive skills that he's been sharpening with Derrick James to pick his spots, be smarter, and use the defense to stay alive. What? He has to fight like Shakur Stevenson. Ain't that some shit? Because yeah, every fight calls for something different. He has to show us something different in his tool bag because we know he has the left hand.
2: Definitely. But
1: that left hand is not good enough to be Tank. That left hand might not be good enough to be Shakur, might not be good enough to be Teal. You got to add more tools to your bag to be able to knock off some of these bigger fighters. And this is where you start sharpening those tools. Absolutely. So that's that's going to be the weekend in boxing. We'll see how this all plays out. We still have our MMA show to come later on in the week. Make sure you guys check out our pro wrestling show from earlier in the week as well. We're preparing the Patreon and everything for next year. We're going to have that up and running. That's going to be super fun, getting that ready for you guys and making sure the strategies and everything, you guys are getting the bang for your buck over there on Patreon. I have a lot of good ideas, actually, for what we're going to put over there. So we appreciate you and your patience and for wanting it. And we're going to give you guys a lot, a lot of good content over there as we enter 2024 in the meantime follow us on all social media platforms check us out on youtube and make sure like and subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts really really helps us out for myself for the old man andres hill till next time we're out peace this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes